Hi, I'm Leanna Tankersley, and this is my podcast, Beginning Again. My dear friend, Elaine Hamilton, and I have cooked up a little something for you guys, but first, here's some background. In 2017, my marriage ended, and in 2019, Elaine's husband, Ken, unexpectedly passed away from a very aggressive form of cancer. Though we no longer live down the street from each other like we once did, Elaine and I have navigated these losses side by side. Elaine is a licensed therapist and the founder of thesoulcarehouse.com. She splits her time between Portland and San Diego, and I am in Central Virginia. We're on opposite sides of the country, but we're finding we have more to talk about than ever. Ooh, do we ever. Life, love, loss, the future it's all on the table. We're wondering if you might be navigating some of these same topics yourself. So we thought we'd invite you to pull up a chair. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how your week went. What have you been, what have you been doing? What's happening to you? Well, I don't know if you've heard, but, um, my book is releasing soon. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. (laughs) Right. Just wanted to keep you posted on that in case it slipped off the radar. Um, so I, and my kids started school, Mm. right? So my kids started school on Wednesday. So they just went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Luke and Lane started seventh grade, which is wild because I, I have very visceral memories of myself in seventh grade. Like that's, that was the year I had my first kiss. I mean, it's like, you did. Oh my gosh. Like I just, I really remember myself. Not like I I see pictures of my childhood, but like I can, I can remember myself well in seventh grade. And so it's just, it's a little bit surreal. And then Elle started fourth grade. And I think I, I, I was grateful for, um, they they were just excited and ready to go back to school. And yeah. I think for me, given the journey of the last few years, whenever there's this sense of like, they're doing okay. And they're, and all the normal kid things in their lives are going okay. It just gives me a great sense of relief. And yeah. I, I'm sure that's true for any parent, but I just feel like some, some days I get caught in this place of like, you know, have all these transitions been too much for them? Have I asked too much for them and moving them and all of that? And then just seeing their excitement to go to school, seeing all the Mm -hmm. teachers that know them and love them, they have friends. Um, and just like, they were thrilled. They were thrilled to go just kind of loosened something in my chest. I think that had, that is always just there, you know, like what if, what if, is everything okay? Are they okay? And so, yeah, they were, they were awesome this week. And then, yeah, just doing lots of interviews and, and, uh, podcasts, guest, guesting, guest interviewing on podcasts mm-hmm. and radio shows and, um, all the things. All, all the, the things. things. Holy moly. Is this yeah. the most things you've had to do with yes. a book release thus far? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Really busting yeah. it out this time. Yeah. And it's, like I have a, I have a bigger, more robust team. I think that I'm working with at this point. And I think, you know, like, let's just like, this is my sixth book and I have to kind of Mm -hmm. stop and remember that every once in a while. And so it's like, I'm also more aware of the things that work well and the things that need to be done. And so I think I just have a better sense of what I'm doing too, you know, Yeah. but it's a, um, it's a tender process, Elaine, Mm -hmm. especially this time around. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's like a, it's a whole thing that's even separate from the writing of a book, right? 
I think exactly right. I think the idea of writing a book sounds appealing to people, but there there's this whole back end of millions of things that are really hard to do that have nothing to do with writing that come with the whole process if you're publishing. It's so true. And and writing a book is its own marathon, as you and I both know. And then releasing a book is its own marathon. And it, and it's really about learning how to talk about what you've poured your heart into in a way that is like accessible and interesting to people, you know, so you've you've written this whole thing, but then you need to be able to talk about what you've written in a way that makes it understandable and relevant. And you really need to do that from your heart and not like a, like a swarmy, slimy, sweaty salesman, you know, you want to be like, this is just what's in here. And, and if it would be helpful to you, I just want you to know about it, you know? And so it's also for me personally, it takes energy for me to stay connected to my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and especially because mm-hmm. what is represented in this book is, um, it's really tender territory. And so to stay really connected to it requires, like I've had to lay down and take naps almost every day this week, just, or just yeah. lay down, you know, just take a little emotional break because yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's all close to the surface. Holy moly. Holy moly. Well, you're doing it. I'm so excited for you. Thanks it's real, friend. It's real cool. We'll see. We'll see what we'll next see. week brings. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, um, there's a lot of fruition, I guess, is a word that keeps coming to mind. Like there's a lot of fruition, uh, in this, in this week. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Okay. How nice. about you? How was your week? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of really exciting things too. Uh, <laughs> Me, well, actually, me, I know that's true. I know that's true. I, don't act like it's not, all right? I took some naps also. <laughs> Well-deserved <laughs> mostly, mostly because my back hurt so bad. But, yeah, but why did your back hurt? Why did your back well, hurt? Well, the pile of babies, right? Yes. The pile of babies that were under. So, yes. well, here's what's funny is, you know, the, the two-year-olds are potty training. And so you know, the new way to do that is to just strip your kids down, roll up the rugs and see what happens, you know, to try to carry them to potties <laughs> whenever possible. So there's potties all over the house and all of that. But the babies are now super into not having any clothes on. So they regularly have zero clothes on and they like to like wrestle with you and put their your their butt in your face. I don't know how many times I've had some child's butt in my face in the last week. It's just it's it's an excessive amount of that. But what are you going to do? And they're doing great great on the potty training. They're really catching on. I'm super so you don't proud mess of them. With that, right? No, nope. you do not nope. want to mess with that. <laughs> it's working. So well, we'll take we'll take another one of those to the face. <laughs> another butt right to the old face <laughs> oh geez so it's a lot oh, of business but oh my god <laughs> yesterday on Saturdays Zach who's Katie's husband usually comes over with the bigs and we hang out for a couple hours we're trying to get them used to my house which they haven't they haven't been in a lot because of all the renovations so I'm um, trying to get them used to that and so yesterday ems comes in and there's a new pillow on a bench in the entryway and she walks right over to the pillow which is an animal print pillow and she pats it and she looks at me with her big eyes like (laughs) she and i are on the same wavelength (laughs) like oh my gosh she's a mini me we're gonna decorate things together 
this is going to be great. Oh. She likes to walk around the house and look at things and she points at them. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, girl. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Did and every star in your entire universe align at that moment? 100%. I just like, I almost burst into tears. Oh, so far gosh. I have only one granddaughter, right? All the rest are boys. Yes. And, you know, maybe some of them will be into this too. Who knows? But I was just so thrilled that I was like walked right over to the animal print, patted it down like it was her first love. Like <laughs> she's like, "That's right, that's right, Presh. That's what we're doing over here." There you are, my long lost <laughs> friend. What you guys also need to know for a tiny bit more context for this story is that Elaine's number one decorating item, like your your absolute signature, is a decorative pillow. 100%. If you go into her house in San Diego and open any closet, it's a it's a whole tower of pillows that are going to fall out and and and, uh, and smother you, because True. that's like that's your signature statement is is the pillow in the room. Yeah, I mean it doesn't matter how cute your outfit is if you don't have any jewelry on. It's just you just haven't taken it to the highest level it's capable of. Absolutely. So the pillows are the jewelry. I have a lot of theories about pillows. So. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little obsession for me, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of metaphors in the pillow in the room for uh, you. But uh, the fact that M's like, she knew, she knew the she, pillow. She got me. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she knew that that was the most exciting pillow in the house. And she identified it intuitively with her little two-year-old hands and eyes. So you guys, she has like the passy in her mouth and then she has yes, these she like does. saucer eyes, these big yep. saucer brown eyes. And it's mm -hmm. like, and then the passy. Oh, and, and she's mostly naked too. While she's doing it. She's like, <laughs> this entire thing is perfect. It's so great. I love it so all. Great. I love it for you. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you've got your grandma house and your grandbabies mm -hmm. and a pile of babies is no joke, but, and especially baby butts to the face. That's no joke. You got to recover from that. But you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, it's also kind of tender. <laughs> well, you know what else is tender? Some <laughs> things that you said, I wanted to talk about some things that you said in chapter seven. Am I not the queen of transition lately? That segue was absolute right? gold. Okay. Kind of from it. baby butts know. to chapter seven, one woman's journey. I mean, that was <laughs> incredible. <laughs> incredible. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because here's, I'm going to read what you said. Not that you don't know, but we want our listeners to know what you said. Um, <clears throat> I just felt like when I read it, I was like, this is what we have to be talking a lot more about. So this is what you wrote. You said you're, you're just talking about the process, right? Like the times you felt stuck and paralyzed in bed and whatever. And you talk about trying to get out and walk, take the dog for a walk, all the, all the things that you're trying to do. You said, I walked it out. I lay down. I walked it out. I lay down. This is how we start to put life back together again, an unforced rhythm of grace, step by step by step. We all want to skip ahead to fast forward, but it takes each step in order to move from here to there. And I think I think what I loved about that is that oftentimes when we're hearing about people's process, we're hearing about usually the beginning of the process and then sort of where they landed at the end and like, oh, isn't that great? Like you were able to work through that and we're we're glad for that. And we like to hear how things turned out. It's restorative to hear like, oh, you were able to, you know, find some redemption out of that trauma that you experienced. But I think 
what sometimes doesn't get said is how laborious, how unglamorous, how long mm-hmm. the process is. And especially at this season, you know, in, in the season that I'm in, I feel like there are such ups and downs with that for me of like, oh, I feel like I, I was doing great, right? Like something happened. I feel like, okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm moving forward. I'm moving into the next chapter of my life. And then inevitably there's a crash and then it feels like, oh, I've gotten nowhere. Right. And yeah. so yes. I think, I think what that paragraph just reminded me of, as I was reading, it's like, oh, that's right. That that's what it's like. It's like, yeah. You walk it out, you lay down, you walk it out, you lay down. It's like, it's going to take this for a long time. And that is disappointing, but it is what it is. Yeah. 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 And I think um, one thing I've noticed is that it does, that is what it is. And it does take this kind of, if you're looking at like a, a line that goes up and then down and then up and then down, I think over time, what happens is the the, the, the wave gets a little bit less, um, you know, way up and way down that we start to get to this place where we're just, we're a little more evened out and the dips down don't dip quite so low, but as you're starting to put it all back together again, I think it is just, it's what it takes, as you said, Mm -hmm. that, um, it's like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing great. And I'm paralyzed (laughs) and I back up. And I can do the next mm-hmm. thing and look at me fly and I'm paralyzed, you know? And so I think that yeah. is super normal. And what I talked about in this chapter is a thing that I don't particularly appreciate in life in general, which is the process and which is the painstaking behind the scenes, nobody's watching process of, of healing and putting life to, back together again. This episode is brought to you by our upcoming women's retreat on Orcas Island, Washington. You guys, join Elaine and me and 18 other women in 40 acres of private woods overlooking Puget Sound for a weekend of reflection and discussion and really good food. I cannot overstate that. To learn more about our retreat or to register, go to soulcarehouse.com. And I'm telling you guys, you do not want to miss this. It's essentially when we um, we were first living in the lofts when we moved to Virginia. And I, um, I'm i living in like an apartment building on the third, second or third floor. I can't remember right now. And um, I've got to take a dog out. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. no, I have to take the dog out. And so yeah. it was such an annoying chore. Isn't that what I'm talking about in this story, in this chapter? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exactly. such an annoying chore. And it was like four, sometimes five times a day. And she was barking if she got left in too long. And she was, it's just, it was, I was exhausted. And I, yet I still had to take this dog out four or five times a day. And so what that did, and I could even feel it at the time is it required me to get up and move and get outside and see the world and watch the seasons change and see some beauty and wave at some people. And there was a lot of the same people on the, on my path when I was walking Rosie that were walking their dogs, some elderly couples with their little dogs. And, you know, it was never easy and it was always a chore. And somehow, I don't know, I think it was part of my salvation in that season of forcing me to get up and walk. And I, and so, yeah, I kind of use that as an actual literal walking it out thing. 
but it's also a metaphor that we don't heal by standing back on the periphery of our life and saying, I want to heal and I want to get better. We got to walk into it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's clumsy, clumsy, clumsy. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. I mean, this, this exact thing happened this week with the workshop that I did, right? I'd been, I've been wanting to try a workshop here in Portland for a long time, was afraid to try because nobody knows me here. Will anybody even sign up? So, but I'm just like, I just got to pull the trigger. I just got to try to start a life here. Like I can't keep standing still. I can't keep just wandering around hoping that something happens here because it's not going to happen without my activity. So I, I did it and this lovely group of women came and it was such a great experience and and they seemed to understand what soul care was and what we would be doing there. And they dove right in and it was such a positive experience. But the next day I just was teary all day long. And I was like, I miss my old life. And somehow, like, even though the, the night before it had been like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. Like, like you said, look at me fly, look at it. It's happening. Yes. I'm pulling it together. And the next day was like, just like grief of like, everything is gone oh my gosh, I can't believe how much is lost. I'm so sad, right? It just, yeah. and I was like, what yeah. is wrong with me? Like last night was great. And I should be feeling like, okay, we've got a little bit of momentum. We took a step and that went great. And we're going to take another step and that will probably be great as well. But my my reaction to it was just paralyzed. Like you said, it was just, I was so sad about, all the things that were missing yeah from my life it makes sense to me lane because first of all you're you're starting over you're rebuilding a community up there you're you're rebuilding like if you would have put that invitation out in san diego and for the listeners elaine had a beautiful facility two beautiful facilities in san diego that were kind of ground zero for her business and um and both of which she sold in the last two years and so um, there it's loss. It's yeah. loss. And if you would have put that, that invitation out in San Diego, you would have had 30 women in a room, you know? And so to, to realize that you are in fact rebuilding on a lot of levels in your life, but, um, you know, vocationally, professionally as well is, uh, it's very, very vulnerable. It's just vulnerable. And it gets, it gets all of that. It touches into all of that, what you want, what you lost, Mm -hmm. what is, and I find that, you know, vulnerability is one of those things that it's like a layer of our skin gets taken off. And so then a lot of other things can get in so much easier, like sadness, like maybe sometimes regret for me, shame when that Mm -hmm. layer, when that layer is, is off shame is like right there, you know, and, or fear or worry or, um, or maybe cynicism, like this doesn't matter anyway, I should just quit, you know? And on one hand, I think that's an indication that we're actually on the right track, even though it's horrible to tolerate. It's like, this is actually you grieving Mm -hmm. and beginning again, like you are actually doing it. And the fact that you're having to lean into these, these really hard feelings of grief, these really hard feelings of, will anybody show up? Will they get what I'm doing? To me, it's like, it's an indication that you're doing it. You're doing that vulnerable mm. work, 
right? Like if you were yeah. perfectly comfortable, I, I don't know. I mean, I want you to be perfectly comfortable. <laughs> right, friend, right. But I don't hear you say that. And I don't like, I don't feel like that's catastrophic. I feel like, yeah, of course, this is so, mm -hmm. this is such tender territory. And it's gonna, it's like me talking about releasing the book in a way. It's, it, it, all of these things that happened come all the way up close to the surface again. Mm -hmm. I don't love that, but I also think it's, it's another lap around the track. Yeah. What do you think would have happened if you hadn't had Rosie? Like if you, yeah. like, do you feel like she rescued you in some kind of way by yeah. like incessant need to pee somewhere? Yeah. I do feel like she rescued me and I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if I would have, I probably would have been a lot more depressed. And I probably would have been a lot more, uh, like there would have been a lot more inertia, just like, mm -hmm. I can't move. I can't get up because I couldn't get myself up, but I had like, the option was cleaning up after Rosie, you know? And so it's right. like, well, I don't want to do that. So mm -hmm. I better just take her out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think she did save me and she is so naughty and sassy <laughs> and bad. And it's, so it's just so funny what sometimes like a baby butt to the face. It's like funny what'll save us sometimes, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if part of how we can help ourselves is back ourselves in the corner with some things that like will have to be tended to, right? Like, yes. If yeah. I don't, if I don't say that I'm going to meet my neighbor on the street at 10 o'clock in the morning, I will not meet anybody on the street. Like I won't get out of, I won't get out of the house. Right. So, right. and I might not want to go at 10 o'clock, but I told her I would be there. So like, I have to show up. That's so right. So I, I find that some of those things are like, I have to sort of keep backing myself into a corner of like, you, yeah, make a decision while you can, that's going to save you when you can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love that. I, that we need to put that on a something. Mm. That's so, so true. It's another reason why I love and hate the fact that my children have to eat at least three times a day. It's the biggest right. inconvenience on the face of the planet right? and brings me no shortage of stress and angst and annoyance. And yet it mm -hmm. forces me to get up and clean the kitchen and get them to help me clean the kitchen and get us involved in taking care of ourselves and, and, and nourishing each other. And it requires me to get some sort of a plan together for the week, mm -hmm. go groceries. It creates some structure in my life that mm -hmm. I need that I don't, I don't uh, intuitively seek out. And so, right. yeah, three meals a day will save you too, even though right. it also will put you under at the same time, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, just, you it's, a, it's a fine line. <laughs> it's a fine line. And you can't just leave boxes of Cheerios out for everyone no. for every meal. But if I only had to feed myself, like on the weekends where the kids are gone, I have to be much more proactive and like, mm. it's still important that you take care of yourself, Leanna. It's so important that you feed and nourish yourself, you know, and if they weren't here, I think yeah. I could slip very easily into just like, this isn't the best situation. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and so, this, yeah, I think well said. This, you know, brings up the whole no bones situation, oh. which like you're going to have to explain to the listeners how and where this all came from. Well, I'll start with this. Okay. So, so when I was in San Diego and you and I were kind of hanging out and talking and I was sharing with you some of my like incessant chagrin over feeling paralyzed about certain aspects of productivity in my life. For example, like I find it easier to write an entire book than I do to keep my household 
organized and moving on a weekly basis. And that is the God honest truth. Like it Mm -hmm. is easier actually for me to write a book than it is to do laundry consistently. And I know that sounds crazy, but so, so we were talking about this and I was like, it's just, and it, it is a source of frustration to me about myself. It is the way that I am least gentle with myself because I have to run a household and there are times where I don't particularly like the way that I do it. And I find that I am creating chaos for myself. Um, that's when, as we just talked about, the vulnerability comes in and that's when the shame comes in, right? Now I'm really, now I feel like a person who was better and just better, you know, like a better person would know how to run their household. <laughs> Whoever that is. Whoever that is, right? Whatever that means. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm always asking people who I perceive to be highly productive and highly efficient I'm always asking them for life hacks, you know, like this is my thing. And when I, when I start like trying to get all these life hacks, that's also when I know I'm in the weeds because I'm not accepting some things about myself that are just part of who I am. Like I'm trying to outwit some of these parts of me. So I said, I said, you know, I'm just very frustrated with myself and it bothers me and it creates chaos. And I think I was probably even a little teary because this is, this is a very, present frustration for me. And you, you said to me, what does it feel like? And without thinking, I said, it feels like I have no bones. And I just like acted like I was completely melting off the couch, right? Mm-hmm. Like I literally yeah. had no. And so like, I was explaining to you how the morning that we were leaving to come to San Diego, our flight didn't leave till two. And so I had left some tasks to do the morning that we were going to leave. And I have them all on a list but this is what I do. Like I'll walk into the kitchen and I'll get a fork and I'll put it in the dishwasher. And then I'll kind of look at all the dishes, but it's so overwhelming that then I walk into my room and I pack a single pair of underwear and then I can't really figure out what else I want to wear on the trip. And so I go into the bathroom and I think, should I wash my face or should I brush my teeth? And then I just am like, I guess I'll just try to find a makeup wipe, but then there isn't a makeup wipe. So then I go back and like, I go and I walk through the laundry room and kind of look around. And then I go into the dining room and I take a piece of mail and I pick it up and I open the piece of mail and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this piece of mail. Do I file it? Do I shred it? And so then I, and then this is what I say to myself, Leanna, Leanna, don't get weird. You're getting weird, Leanna. (laughs) Don't get weird. (laughs) Because for me, what I do is that is this thing. I just start picking up things and moving them all around the house. I'm abs- I'm doing absolutely nothing. I'm getting absolutely mm-hmm. nothing accomplished, but I'm, I'm, I'm moving. And so it's not a productive trying. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's weird. Like I'm being weird. And if someone watched me, they'd be like, stop, stop. Let's start one thing and let's finish it and let's cross it off the list. You can do it, Leanna. You can do a lot of hard things, you know? Anyway, so I was saying to myself that morning before I left, Leanna, you're getting weird. Don't get weird. Don't get weird. So, because the alternative is absolutely no bones that I'm just on the couch, just like, uh. So one thing we also talked about is that, um, for some of us, and this is Enneagram language, but for some of us, 
you know, our, we are as human beings sort of meant to be this three-legged stool of doing, feeling, and thinking. And some of us, our doing is more repressed. Some of us, our thinking is more repressed. Some of us, our feeling is more repressed. And it's like that leg of the stool is just, it's not as developed as the other legs. And for me, I'm an Enneagram four. I have a very strong three wing, but I am an Enneagram four. And that's one of the things I struggle with is doing repression. And so I've, I've been learning more about that. And it's sort of like, oh, this no bones thing is like actually part of what comes with some of the sort of uniquenesses of my personality. Four, fives, and nines all struggle with, we do a lot, but we don't always do the things that we need to get done. And fours particularly struggle with the mundane. Like we just want to be special, right? (laughs) So we want to do the special things. We don't want (laughs) to do the like folding and I don't know, just those, all those things that are constant. So I I think the reason why we're bringing this up too, or I think the reason why you're bringing this up is that when we go through particularly difficult seasons, it can feel like that, like we have no bones, right? And so one of the things we started saying to each other was to bone up, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and like get your bones. And so also what is what is wild is how the things that come to us that help us kind of bring that fortitude back to us, bring that internal skeletal fortitude back into ourselves. So is that kind of where you mm-hmm. were, what you were thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what helps you with that? I mean, it was so funny to watch just like sort of slide off the couch. I was like, Oh, I I really see what you're talking about. Now that you're giving me a visual, it's like, you just, you really have no bones and you can't yeah. do it. So like, can't what, do it. what helps you at a time like that? Or do you just need to rest typically? Yeah. So I think I'm still kind of sorting a lot of this out because it, it's, as I already said, it's, this is very difficult for me. And so I, I listened to this online workshop by Suzanne Stabile, who is kind of an internet, uh, kind of an Enneagram guru. And she did a lot of teaching, a three-hour teaching anyway, on what it looks like for people who are doing repressed, which again, I fall into that that category. And we all have something that's repressed, whether it's doing, thinking, or feeling. And it's not that we don't do those things. We just don't always do them productively. So you might find a person whose thoughts are kind of always in a loop and they're thinking a lot, but their thinking is kind of paralyzed and they're not thinking productively. Or you might find someone who's feeling repressed where it's just very, very difficult for them to identify even a single feeling they're feeling other than like, I'm hungry. And it's like, well, that's not a feeling, you know? And so they mm-hmm. are feeling, they are feeling, but they can't, they it, they can't feel in a way that that's productive or moves them toward anything. So yeah, I think what's helping is something she said at at the end of this training was fours. I know you don't, I know that the mundane is like your worst nightmare, but there are gifts in it for you. And Mm -hmm. so she's like, you need to trust me when I tell you that a lot of the beauty and authenticity as an Enneagram four that you're looking for in the world, you will find in the mundane and you think you're going to find it in the special, big, uh, you know, extraordinary moments of life. And sure, there's there's beauty in that too. But a lot of the beauty and authenticity that a four is searching for in the world is going to be found in the mundane. 
And when she said that, it resonated deeply with me. I got really teared up because those are the those are difficult moments for me. They require a lot of presence for me. They require a lot of surrender. And so it's like you kind of know, yeah, she's probably onto something. Okay. But it's required me to trust her in that. And then, but if you look back at this book, Elaine, and you look back about even this idea of walking Rosie, it's so mundane. Yeah. It is so constant and mundane. But it's what helped me realize that I was actually getting to experience the four seasons of Virginia. Like I remember that mm-hmm. year thinking, I have been out four times a day, every day since we moved here into the beauty of these four seasons. Wow. I mean, what else would take me out there like that? Mm-hmm. As, as discussed, we would, I would, as we discussed, I would not have willfully done that. I would not have willfully done that. It was the mundane task that took me out there, you know? And so that's one example. I think I also, I also try to make soup a lot. I've talked about this a million times online, but, and it just so happens that there's this one soup that I make a lot. That's my kid's absolute favorite thing I make. They call it the special soup. There's nothing Mm. special about (laughs) it. What's in it? A peasant soup. It's like potatoes, onions, garlic, chicken broth, um, any kind of sausage you want to put in there and kale that's and salt and pepper. That's literally all that's in the soup, but yeah. it requires chopping, not so much chopping that I want to like, you know, mm-hmm. like hurt someone, but enough chopping that I have to slow down and put on some music and get my cutting board out. And I, I find that that chopping and that sizzling and stirring and sauteing, all of that is so healing to our brains. And then, um, we have at the end of 30 minutes, this thing that people we love, love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, what's better than that feeling? What yeah, is so- better than that feeling? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And it sounds like it gets you back in your body. It gets you present to the moment that you're actually in instead of whatever's going on up here. Exactly. Gives, right. you, gives you a break from what you're feeling. Which as a four is always incredibly intense. And the most real thing that we can see or experience is our feelings. It was news to me and it continues to be news to me that everything I'm feeling isn't in fact reality. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I know it's funny, but it's like, Hmm. are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? sure? It's like, I have to take people's words word for that because my feelings feel like the truest reality that there is, you know? And I know that this isn't necessarily applicable to everyone, but I know when we're in a dark space, it can be very true that what we're feeling feels like the most, the truest thing about us. And it, um, we do feel like we have no bones. We just feel like we have no bones. And so, yeah, I think these mundane tasks um, require us or enable us or invite us to come out of our head and all the swirling that's happening in our head to come out of our hearts a little bit and to come into our bodies more. This episode is brought to you by my new book, Hope Anyway, welcoming possibility in ourselves, God, and each other. Hope Anyway is now officially available online and in bookstores. You can get it in three different formats, hardback, ebook, and audiobook, which I read to you so you can enjoy that. The book is called Hope Anyway, Welcoming Possibility in Ourselves, God, and Each Other. Now back to our show. 
it's what you talked about. Like you could sit there and think and think and think about starting your life over in Portland or extending and expanding your life in Portland, but you actually do it. You have to do it. And you're someone I watch and you, you are not, you are the last thing you are is doing repressed and you can, you can do it. You can, you can walk into life. It's very inspiring to me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, I've needed that. But I am thinking repressed. I can so feel that. So what does that look like for you? What does that, explain what, yeah. what that looks or feels like. I was thinking about that when you were describing it because my, mine is a little different than yours, but I think. Like I keep trying to think my way, like the like when you said the thinking isn't productive, right? I can, I can really feel that that I'm, I'm trying to come up with a strategy. I'm trying to make a plan. I'm trying to make a decision. I'm trying to, I don't know, and I can feel that like that it's all just swirling, and I'm not getting anywhere. Yep. And I think maybe share your Enneagram number, Elaine. I'm a two. I know it. Yeah, I'm a two with a three wing. So, you know, I have a lot of, I can get a lot done and I really value efficiency. Like, like I was noticing the other day, I'm super annoyed when people, you know, when you're driving around a parking lot and people cross in front of you on the diagonal. Do you know how much longer it takes to get across a little piece of pavement if you are walking on a diagonal? It takes literally 100 years. As opposed to just walk across. It's yeah, walk straight in front of me. And you're out of the way. But if you walk diagonal, I am stuck mm-hmm. behind you for years. So yeah. that's a way in which, you know, it's it's very clarifying that I have this efficiency thing that becomes quite obsessive and can be rageful at times. But <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with anything. But, um, yeah, I think I think that's what it's like for me. And it it also seems like when you're talking about chopping soup, chopping for soup, I think that maybe the solve for me is a lot the same or it's like I have to do something to get in my body because. My head is swirling, not not maybe as much with feelings because I can always identify my feelings and I can put them in the right compartment. Like I can say, oh, you're grieving. That's why, that's Mm -hmm. why you're stuck, right? Like that happened to me the day yesterday when I was talking about like, I couldn't figure out what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm like, make a phone call, like call your sister-in-law, see if you can go over there. That will, that will help. Like, no, yeah. no, I can't. I can't do that. That's too hard. I can't call her. She's probably sick of seeing me in this condition. And, you know, it's just like all the things, right? So I really get in my way about trying to make a decision on my own behalf. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's, yeah. it's a little bit the same, but also is a, a little bit different where the feelings aren't so overwhelming because I understand them. Like, yes. yeah, you're grieving. That's okay. That makes sense. But yeah. then what comes next? No idea. <laughs> Yeah, you can talk yourself into and then talk yourself out of and then talk yourself into and then talk a a bunch of different things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it's, I I do think our bodies are this sort of secret weapon that we have spent so long trying to disembody and try to get ourselves away from our bodies because our bodies are the enemy or our bodies are a constant source of frustration or failure, whatever we think, whatever our relationship is with our bodies but somehow the answer lies in getting all that to come into harmony, you know? And so I, I am trying to pay attention more and more when I feel like I have no bones 
And then when I feel like I can kind of that fortitude can come back, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know, it's, I still don't have that house under control. Can I just report that to the (laughs) masses? I don't have the house under control. Well, and that's probably always going to be the situation because you are, you are spending your energy on other things, right? Like that's just true for all of us. We are all choosing to spend our energy on certain things, but none of us are on top of all the things because it's not possible. So it's just yeah. like a matter of like where it makes sense for you based on how you're wired, where you're going to put that energy. And then, well, the rest is like, well, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get to that. We couldn't get to yeah. that. It requires a letting go um, that, and it, it's a, it's also, I think I touched on this, but let me just return to this, that what I, I see from more of like, if we're looking at this from a spiritual formation perspective, it's an opportunity for me to be a lot more compassionate with myself because it, it drives me crazy about myself. And you'd think this thing that drives you crazy about yourself, you could just go ahead and fix. Right. But mm-hmm. I, it's very, very hard to fix. It's very very hard. I'll have a strategy and I'll be on top of the strategy. And 72 hours later, I literally have less bones than I've ever had in my entire life. Right. And it's right. Like, yeah. I can't do it. I, I, I can put the, I can, I can find a great strategy online and I can write a whole diagram on a huge sticky note on the wall and I can do it. And then I can't do it. You know, yeah. I can't do it after 72 hours. And then I'm a greater failure than I've ever been before because now there's no groceries in the refrigerator and I don't have, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is. And so yeah, I think what I'm realizing when I when I'm trying to like find the strategy, find the strategy that's going to fix all this about you, Leanna, that when I'm starting to think like that, the thing I need to do is put myself in a totally different gear and say, "Why don't you sit down on the back patio with a with a cup of coffee and why don't you say to yourself, "I welcome the this part of me that where it's really hard to Ooh. get organized and and get my house in perfect order." I, I welcome the fact that being who I am means that it's really hard for me to, to stay in the mundane all day long, every day. I'm going to just welcome that. I'd like to do better at it. I'd like to kind of grow that muscle in myself, but I'm going to sit here and accept that that's, um, you know, I'm going to be, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not saying accept in that I never have to do a hard mundane thing again. It's different than that. It's saying that I, um, I I see you, this part of myself, and I'm not going to badger you, and I'm not going to say that you're worthless, and I'm not going to say that you're messing it up for all the other parts of me, Mm, you know? Yeah. I love that. Because I also wonder, like, what would happen to your creativity if you spent the amount of attention and energy that's required to be somebody who is always on their strategies? Like, what would happen to the rest of you. And I, I would hate that for you. I would hate if you wasted your energy on making sure your house is together all the time. Yeah. That is, and it's a, that is not worth your time. We've got, <laughs> yeah, it's this we've fine line. To fry. I know it's this fine line because I do think that there is a lot of beauty and I think there's a lot of presence found in the mundane. And I do trust that. And I believe it's true, but what you're saying is also true. If I, And I know this sounds like, oh my gosh, Leanna, move along. But like, if I, if I listen to all my voicemails and if I check every email, every voicemail, if I were to spend my time in my life being right on top of all of the correspondence in my life, and it's not even like it's that much. It's just, if I did that, 
there would be no time for, I, I would not have the time or energy just because I'm not that efficient at those kinds of things. I would not have the time or energy to do the things that really bring me life. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel like I'm trying to sort some of this out. Like, yes, yes. Um, but I also find when I'm in these moments, like I said earlier, where especially if I can get my kids involved with me and we, okay, we're going to put 20 minutes on the clock. A timing helps me because oh. then it doesn't just feel like, oh, it's, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I need all day to get this fixed. It's like, yeah. why don't we just take 25 minutes and set a timer and I'm going to give every one of us one thing we're going to tackle. And it's kind of nice, actually. It's kind of, mm. it's kind of sweet. It's like teamwork. And I do like teamwork, you know? Yeah, so. <laughs> that's smart. That's so smart. Yeah. You've got a strategy that works for you. Yeah, but just like I have to stay on top of, quote unquote, on top of the house and the laundry and the grocery. And, you know, I mean, I I also want to interject that I am a single parent a lot of the time. And so, you know, I um, that's hard. That presents its own unique challenges um, that I'm this I'm the adult in the house most all the time. And so that that's a unique challenge. But yeah. Yeah, there's nobody to hand off the responsibilities to, so you can lie down. Yeah, yeah. so so when I lie down, it stops, you know. Right. And so right. I I think that's another thing that, and it's it's okay, it's okay, but um, yeah, I I think it is kind of interesting what we're talking about, where you just don't know what's going to save you, and sometimes you think it's going to be the grandest gestures, and it's often not. <laughs> hmm hmm It's Rosie needing to pee. It's yeah, Rosie needing to freaking pee, for yeah. example. Thank you for listening. Elaine and I both hope that our conversation today will help you find your footing as you step into the next new moment in your story. You can find Elaine at thesoulcarehouse.com and you can find me, Leanna Tankersley, at leannatankersley.com. We are both active on Instagram and Facebook and would love to meet up with you there. Follow us at Soul Care House and at Leanna Tankersley. Okay, you guys, until next time.